I guess, especially with COVID, we've seen a lot more travel nurses. We've seen um, a lot of people who may have worked in a, say, a cancer ward or a, a renal clinic for, for 10 years and they're experts in their area, but they've never done rural or remote. They've never done emergency and they pack up their family, hop in the caravan and go around. So I didn't want to just focus on on new graduates, even though new graduates are a huge part of this study, I wanted to also investigate new registered nurses to the um, rural and remote environment and what are their needs and how can we prepare them for going to these areas. Hello and welcome to a Nurse Outwear podcast. My name is Danielle Corza and I have been a rural and remote nurse for most of my career. I created this podcast as an opportunity to explore and celebrate and perhaps spark some interest in rural and remote nursing. Each week, we'll meet with some of the extraordinary nurses who live and work in rural and remote areas across Australia as they tell their story about all that is beautiful and unique to rural and remote nursing. So join with me as we explore the stories from a nurse out where. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of A Nurse Outwear. Now my next guest has been a registered nurse for over 15 years. Um, she's got some clinical experience in rural and remote emergency and interventional radiology. She's a busy woman. She's currently a lecturer at the University of Sunshine Coast, but she's also a PhD candidate for the School of Nursing, Midwifery and Social Sciences at Central Queensland University. Now, a special interest is in rural and remote and emergency nursing, which initiated the topic for, for her PhD to be providing emergency care in rural and remote facilities. What are the needs of non-emergency trained registered nurses new to the environment? So we might have to dig into that a little bit along the way. Um, her aim is to improve emergency care in rural and remote communities. I'm really excited to welcome Danielle Jockamson. With a name like that, she's got to be amazing. How are you? I'm good, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like a little bit of celebrity because I've been listening to your podcast for quite a while now and I'm like, oh, maybe one day I might get on there. Oh, you are a celebrity. You're totally a celebrity. <laughs> so, okay, hang on. So you've been listening for a while, so you might have thought about this question before you, we come on today. The podcast is called A Nurse Out Where. So if you were to finish the sentence, I'm a nurse out where. I'm a nurse out where I never expected to go, but I'm very grateful I did. Um, you know, a lot of people say things happen for a reason, and I really don't think I would have been, I am the nurse I am today if I didn't have my time in a rural or rural remote community. Yeah, right. Okay. Why, why is that? What, what, you have to tell me more about that. So when I did my my nursing degree, I was so focused on emergency nursing. I wanted to be emergency nurse. I didn't want to leave Harvey Bay. I was just adamant that's where I wanted to stay. And there was quite a quite a lot of students in my cohort. So when the grad interviews came up, I did my interview, I did all the calculations and everything, thinking, yep, I've worked for Queensland Health. I'm going to get a grad position. And I didn't. I thought it was the worst thing that could have ever happened in the world. There was tears, tantrums, 
but eventually I picked myself up and I looked around probably three, four hour radius of where I lived. Anyway, I applied for a registered nurse position. It wasn't a grad position, um, but I was lucky enough to be given the position. And I was even more lucky that they tapped me into a graduate program um, in Bundaberg. So they literally gave me a, a grad position, created me a grad position. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. And so was it a particular desire to go rural and remote? Like what got your interest in that? So to be 100% truthful, I had never thought of working um, rural and remote. And when I left Harvey Bay, I think I cried for the three and a half hour drive out to Monto thinking, oh, my God, why has anyone ever sent me to the middle of nowhere? <laughs> I'm only staying a year. I've just got to stay a year. I've got to tough it out for a year and then I can go back and do what I want. But I loved it so much I ended up staying three. Yeah, great. Oh, very cool. So have you got a, a tale to tell or a story to share about your time in remote? Oh, my goodness. Where do I start? <laughs> I have got so many stories. It's actually funny. My students who I teach now, they always ask me for a Danielle story. And I, I actually don't think I've repeated the same one twice yet. <laughs> Look, I, I think I have to tell you one about the community first, because the community was just dead set amazing out there and I formed a really good friendship with the cook at the hospital I ended up actually living with her mother for over a year um, and I I've always wanted to cook plum pudding my nana had cooked it it was just a, a family tradition to to cook this plum pudding and I lost my nana when I was out at Monto so I was sort of in that transition I want to cook this plum pudding, but I don't have my nana anymore. So I went to shift on an um, on an early shift and because the auxiliary, um, the cook used to work for the auxiliary as well and do fundraising and she was making plum puddings to sell for the auxiliary. And she said to me, right, in the midst of your um, nursing today, we're going to learn how to cook plum pudding. So every time she did a step, she rung me up. And she's like, Danielle, quick, come over to the kitchen. I've got to do the next bit. So whilst caring for my patients, I also learnt to make plum pudding <laughs> and I can still make that same recipe today. I don't think it tastes as good as hers, but I'm pretty proud that I can make it from scratch. And it was like an eight hour process. It took me this whole shift by the time we soaked the fruit and added this and done this to make these these plum puddings. <laughs> so step one, soak the Soak the fruit. Step two, insert a cannula. Step three. <laughs> Pretty much. I suppose I suppose that would have to lead me to one of my, my favourite clinical stories because we come on for night shift and sometimes we'd have four to eight patients on the ward and then you just um, wait for anyone that would present overnight. And like I do my checks, I'd go around, I'd check the medication, I'd check all the doors were locked, I'd check the life pack, like done all the checks, rounded on the patients, thought I'd make myself a cup of coffee and sit down, organise my night. It was just after midnight. Next minute, these headlights come in and they went around to where the ambulance usually go. And I'm like, that's a bit strange. Only the ambulance usually parks there and they on, they normally ring me. And because I was a first responder for the ambulance as well, I had a really good rapport with the two paramedics out there. So they always rung me if they were bringing something in. Well, that's a bit strange. Anyway, so me and, and, enro and my enrolled nurse or the enrolled nurse that was working for the night, 
thought, oh, all right, we'll grab a torch and we'll head out there. Walked out there and here's this elderly lady sitting in the back of a ute. I took off the blanket and obviously she had a bit of rotation and deformity of the leg and I've gone, oh, okay, um, tell me what's happened. I was told the story and I was like, oh, didn't want to call the ambulance. And it sounds like, oh, no, I didn't, didn't want to bother them. And we're only about an hour out of town. Oh, right, okay. Anyway, um, this lady, she was in quite a lot of pain, so I'm sitting there just scratching my head going, what am I going to do? I was, I've obviously got no choice. I'm going to have to give this poor lady some pain relief in the back of the ute before I even have to even think about how I'm going to get her out. And I'm thinking, Panadol's just not going to cut this. <laughs> so here we are in the back of the ute, cannulating this lady, giving her some pain relief. She was feeling quite comfy and the next thing was, how am I going to get her out of this ute? So we ended up pulling out the stretcher, getting the slide board, putting on some slide sheets and I literally, I had my legs open, I had the slide board in between my legs, I had my enrolled nurse standing on the end of the bed so I was worried that it was going to like collapse on me as we were standing on the edge and me and the son basically um, got this lady out between my legs onto the bed and off we went and you know still to this day I country people are so tough I have never met in my entire life people that are so so tough I mean I've worked in a regional ED and like two of my favorite cases that come in via ambulance was a broken acrylic fingernail and an itchy scrotum like like people just just call the ambulance for a taxi ride into the hospital whereas you're out you're out bush and oh no no I didn't want to bother the ambulance oh no no I wasn't sick enough to call the ambulance you're like oh you're having an MI troponins (laughs) god knows how high but okay call an ambulance (laughs) that's fine but yeah I mean I've got a lot of stories like that but I suppose the take-home message is I I really did not think that that country people would be so tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're a rare breed. Except for the young boys when I first started. There was a couple. There was a couple that come up to the hospital with like these little cuts on their fingers. And I'm like, are they serious? What 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 did they want to see the doctor about? And one of the nurses went, Oh Danielle, they're not here to see the doctor. They're here to see you. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, like what, what do you want me to do? Put a bandit on the go? Oh, no, they're not here for treatment. They're here to check you out. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> Just had to come and meet the new nurse. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, funny. So now you're you're back on the coast? Yeah, back in Harvey Bay. And is there anything that you miss about working out there or do you still have oh. that contact as a, as a lecturer and as a teacher? Um, I don't have the contact as the lecturer and the teacher, but I still have my friends out there. The lady, um, the elderly lady who I used to live with, I still try and go and visit her. She's met both my children. I have young children. Um, The cook that taught me to make the plum pudding, she came to my wedding last year. So um, I still have lifelong friends out there. And I still think I would be there if it just wasn't this like my family are in Harvey Bay my mum is in Harvey Bay and 
um, my husband and I own a marine business and I mean there's no marine like <laughs> businesses that you like there's nothing marine wise you can do in a lot of rural and remote communities so we have to be we have to be at the coast but I I feel like I belong in both places yeah nice so when you first went out there you said you cried you know the whole way going out um when you got there, was there anything that you were particularly looking for or were craving or searching for? Um, the beach, because I love the beach. I love just walking on the beach. I like drinking, like getting takeaway coffee and just going and sitting on the beach. I really miss the beach and I missed my family and friends. It was the first time I'd moved away from my family and friends. So I did feel that that bit of separation and... And, yeah, I obviously could ring them. We didn't have Zoom back then, or maybe we did. We just didn't use it. But, yeah, definitely family, friends and and the beach. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you'd be out there, you know, and it is quite challenging. Nursing's quite challenging anywhere, um, but it can be particularly challenging in the rural and remote context. How did you look after yourself and how do you look after your own mental health? Um. I think I was extremely lucky. Just the people that I got involved with, like um, I used to play um, Romeo and cards with the the elderly lady I used to live with. Um, like I found things out there. Like I found a good coffee shop. I've always been a coffee fan, and like when I go somewhere, I've I've got to find the best coffee because you just can't have crappy coffee. Like I found a good coffee shop out there and they like they did home baking and homemade food and it was just awesome. And like the pharmacy sold everything. You could get lost in the pharmacy for an hour just because they had the most amazing stuff. And if the pharmacy didn't have it, the news agency had it. So it was like um, but I mean, other than that, I used to I used to go jogging around the around the town. Um, I used to go and play bingo with the aged care facility. They had bingo twice a week, and then QAS did bingo like all my days off. Um, I also learnt to do a lot of baking out there. Um, the old la- older lady I used to live with, um, I still call her grandma. She was like a grandma to me, and she taught me how to make the best date loaf. And still to this day, I use the same recipe and cook it with my kids. Yeah. So bake. Baking, drinking coffee, playing cards and Romeo, just things like that. Yeah, nice. Very cool. So tell me about your PhD. Tell me what's what's your focus? What are you doing? So when I decided to do this PhD, I, I sort of went round in circles for a little bit thinking, what do I want to do? And I knew I wanted to do something with rural and remote health and I knew I wanted to do something with emergency um, so I was very lucky to have a great supervisor, supervisory team and um, I think in a couple of months we came up with um, providing emergency care in, in rural and remote facilities um, and we just wanted to know what the, the roles and the experiences of new nurses going to the environment um, are. So... I guess especially with COVID, we've seen a lot more travel nurses. We've seen um, a lot of people who may have worked in a, say, a cancer ward or a, a renal clinic for for 10 years and they're experts in their area, but they've never done rural or remote. They've never done emergency and they pack up their family, hop in the caravan and go around. 
So I didn't want to just focus on on new graduates, even though new graduates are a huge part of this study. I wanted to also investigate new registered nurses to the um, rural and remote environment and what are their needs and how can we prepare them for going to these areas? So how, like, are you looking for people to get involved? How are you doing this? Yeah, so currently we're conducting phase two of this study and we're looking for two cohorts of nurses. So my first cohort are the new registered nurses, the graduate nurses, the, the nurses I was just talking about that may have worked in a renal unit for 10 years and have gone rural and remote. So my first cohort I, I really need is those new registered nurses. And then my second cohort is the educators and the dons and the CNCs and the director of nursing. So looking for those two co um, cohorts to interview. Um, basically, it's just like you and I having a chat now. Um, it's done via Zoom or Teams. It's all de-identified. And basically, it's just about the roles and the experiences and the challenges, I guess, of rural and remote nursing and how we can better prepare nurses to to work in these communities because really it's it's about the people who live in these communities we need to give them that quality health care and to do that we need to make sure we've got um, highly skilled trained registered nurses yeah yeah no, that's great so really it could be anyone you know it could like be anyone could be, could be anyone who's sort of thinking about going out to rural and remote and thinking you know I don't know what I I don't know what I need or don't know what I'm looking for, yeah. Um, but yeah, then you, you're after those senior clinicians who are already working in rural and remote. Um, yeah. So how will they get in contact with you? Um, they can send me an email, which is Danielle full stop Jockinson at cqumail.com. Um, and they can, or they can hop on my LinkedIn page, which is just Danielle Jockinson. But I can send through those details so you can pop them in your chat yeah cool yeah yeah so I'll put the details in there um in the link um for the podcast as well so yeah if people want to um have a look at your work um and they can be a part of that um study that would be that'd be really cool I have had an amazing response from um some dons and educators Australia-wide that cohort has been really good. I still need a few more, but I'm definitely um, trying to get my my hands on some new graduates or some um, new registered nurses who haven't worked rural and remote before, just just so I can gauge it from two stages. Yeah, yeah. So do you want new nurses who have just recently gone to rural and remote or haven't gone to rural and remote but are thinking about it, or both? No, no, no nurses that have gone rural and remote within the last two years. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, any graduates or any nurses who've just recently gone out and enjoyed the, the wonders that is rural and remote nursing, um, yeah, get on board. That sounds really cool. And then so what happens at the end? Will you be published? How are you going to get the word out of what you find in your research? Yeah, so at the moment um, I'm um, at the extraction part of my scoping review. So I hope to have the scoping review out in the next couple of months. So that'll be on the roles of rural and remote nurses. Um, and then once we um, analyse this data um, and find out the themes from the interviews that I've conducted, my team and I will sit down and develop the themes and work out what's 
what we've got out of these interviews, we'll also publish um, a paper on that as well. And then those two papers um, will actually inform my phase three, which is going to be a survey. So we can basically find the requisite skills required and the minimum skill set requirement for registered nurses going rural and remote. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that's the that's the gold that everybody wants, really, isn't it? So, yeah, I think it's a a fantastic study and I really look forward to um, seeing the outcomes of your research. I'm excited as well. I um, at the start when we were just doing the scoping review and you're thinking, oh, it's article after article. But since I've started conducting interviews, it's just, it's so, it's been so exciting. I've met so many amazing people. It's, it's just been so much fun. Yeah, cool. And that makes it so much easier, doesn't it? You know, um, when your work becomes something that you really love, hence yeah. why I started this podcast, you know, yes. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, look, there is, um, we might be, you know, crossing paths here a little bit, but there are, um, a, my final question that I ask everyone is what are your top three tips for someone who might be thinking about joining the rural and remote nursing workforce, which I guess is some of the foundation of, of your yeah. study. But um, have you got three tips that you could offer? Yeah, I, I guess my first tip would be if you can, just go and do it. I don't feel you will regret it. I mean, make sure you're prepared and have the necessary skills needed. Um, like organisations like Krana have so much remote remoteness-ready information. They've got the resources. They've got the courses. I remember I read one of their um, books and one of their yeah, books that they can send out to you, and it had, like, degrees of temperature. Like, in, in winter, it can get to minus numbers, but in summer, it can get to 40. Just make sure you you've got you're prepared to go out there. Um, but yeah, if you can just do it because it was it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, my second tip was get involved with the community as much as you can. If you really want to make a go of it out there, you need to get part of the community. Because I mean, if when I reflect back on my experiences, probably the first six, seven weeks, I just live like a mushroom in the house, still thinking, oh my goodness, what what am I doing out here? How could anyone send me out there? But then I did things like I joined the netball team. I'd never played netball in my not- life. I was a hockey player. Didn't end very well, but I still gave it a go. <laughs> I went and, I went and played clarinet in the school band. Again, I hadn't played clarinet since school. But here I was with the school kids playing in the band. Um, I did work for the Monto Auxiliary. I remember one night they catered a wedding and I'd never waitressed in my life. And here I am carrying these plates, waitressing <laughs> at a wedding. Like I just feel you've got to get involved in the community. Um, and I suppose my third tip would be just to remember that country people are tough they, I feel like they downplay a lot of things. Like I've had chest pain. Um, I've had it for 12 hours, but um, it's fine. I had to go and sort the cattle cattle out. Like, um, or they had a farm accident. Another another story of something that happened to me is a man had a farm accident and he said to me, I've got a small cut to my leg. I'm like, okay, can you just give me 10 minutes? Because I had to fly out an MI. And I opened up his bandages and basically half his calf fell out. Like it, there was a huge cut and there was nothing I could do. And I was thinking to myself, 
when he told me it was a little cut, why did I trust him? I should have had a look and he could have got on the same plane with that MI. So I guess my third tip is um, just realise how tough these country people are and sometimes their healthcare is not their priority and um, their livelihood and livestock or their farm is is more a priority than than their health. So um, just be prepared to to deal with that and to be understanding and uh, I think a couple of times I, I rolled my eyes because at the start I couldn't believe that someone would have an MI and sit in the paddock for 12 hours tending to the cattle but this is this is the way of life and yeah just just got to be understanding yeah yeah oh, well I think that's a good approach to to any care that we provide to any of our communities is to really understand the people in their community um yeah, no, they're really cool tips. Thank you. That's all right. Hey, look, thank you for your time. Um, I'll let you get back. You've got a busy household and you're doing all of the things, so I'll let you get back to it. But um, good luck with your PhD. I really look forward to hearing your research. And, um, thank you. Yeah, I hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Danielle. Thank you. this has sparked your interest and you'd like some more information about this episode or perhaps how to take the leap and explore rural and remote nursing, you can contact me and check out my website, anurseoutwear.com.au or follow me on Facebook and Instagram by searching for A Nurse Outwear. Remember, like, subscribe and share them with your friends.